I'd like to be honest and admit to you that I don't love tax season. <laughs> it's not tax season currently, but just thinking about tax season reminds me of how much I don't love <clears throat> tax season. And I don't love it not just because you got to pay taxes, but just the sort of the filling out of all of the forms, and I find <clears throat> taxes to be a bit confusing. Some of it is the U.S. tax code. Uh, some of it is the fact that being a pastor, there's some unique things to trying to do taxes. And so every spring when it's time to figure this all out, it's sort of with fear and trembling that I sort of dive back into this. Um, but one thing is that God's been very faithful and kind that always along the way he's provided help. So obviously when I was younger, my dad did my taxes for me. And then even as I got a little bit older, he provided advice and encouragement when I had questions. And when he was no longer able to do that, the Lord very kindly provided a faithful member of Calvary Church and a dear friend uh, who did my taxes for me uh, for many years. That was a huge blessing. Uh, after him, the Lord brought somebody else along, and uh, she was kind and faithful to help out in that. And even this year, as I was teaching one of our classes on Sunday night and somehow talking about frustrations with tax software, uh, a kind person in the congregation who's also very qualified was like, if you have questions, I could probably help you with some of those things. And I've taken that to be the Lord's blessing in the midst of something that's challenging for me, and uh, I'm, th I'm grateful for that. Now, I say all of that to you because last week we shared a very, very important truth from God's Word. And that is because of Jesus' death and resurrection, which the disciples don't understand at the moment, and so they are grieving at the news that Jesus is going to die, but the reason we hear that news and celebrate and call it Good Friday and Easter Sunday is because of Jesus' death and resurrection, now through his spirit, when he ascended to heaven, he sent his spirit, and he can now be present with us everywhere and at all times. The good news is you and I will never find ourselves in a situation like the disciples found themselves in last week where Jesus was up on the mountaintop enjoying worship and the disciples were down in the valley struggling with a demon they couldn't cast out. And because of Jesus and the sending of his spirit, we will never find ourselves in that situation again. Now, when you hear that news, that's great news. But sometimes we can miss how great the news is. Because, you know, we can hear and accept that Jesus is on the mountaintop. And when we're in a Mount of Transfiguration kind of moment, and it feels like two or three or 2,000 are gathered together, and Jesus is present in our midst, and we're led in worship, and we raise our hands, and we praise him, we know Jesus is present here. But we also know Jesus is present in the valley. And when we have a child struggling with spiritual warfare, when we've just been diagnosed with cancer, when we're going through any of the things I just prayed for in the opening to the sermon, we can know that Jesus is in the valley. But there's more good news than that. Not only is Jesus present on the mountaintop and in the valley, he's also present on the plains. <laughs> Meaning he's with us in the mundane things of life. See, when I was younger, I thought Jesus only kind of cared about churchy stuff. 
that he was cared about whether I shared the gospel or whether I was lying or not, that he was only interested in that stuff. And it was a real blessing to learn that Jesus not only cared about the churchy stuff, he also cared about the stuff that was breaking my heart, the stuff that was difficult, the trials and tribulations we were going through. That's a blessing to know that. But there's another thing that I'm learning along the way. And that not only is Jesus on the mountaintop and in the valley, he's also just on the plains with us, walking through life in the mundane, the ordinary, the day-by-day activities of life. And there's no better way to show that than to show that Jesus is interested in helping us pay our taxes. So I'd like to invite you to take a Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 17. All the CPAs in the room are really excited at this point (laughs) because we've got a tax story. So if you take a Bible and turn to Matthew 17, if you're using one of the church Bibles, it's page 798. Page 798, Matthew chapter 17. And we have a beautiful little story that the Holy Spirit inspired that Matthew wrote down, tucked away at the end of this chapter, that's meant to remind us and encourage us that because of Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, he is present with us by his Spirit, not only on the mountaintops and in the valleys, but also in the everyday things of life. He's present when we walk through the hallways of school. He's present when we're babysitting the neighbor's kids. He's present with us when we're trying to pay our bills. He's with us when we're at family gatherings. He's there with us in the grocery store when we're shopping for food. The Jesus is with us all the time, in all situations, present with us to bless and to help. So Matthew chapter 17, I'm going to read verses 24 to 27. Verse 24, after Jesus and his disciples arrived in Capernaum, the collectors of the two drachma temple tax came to Peter and asked, doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? Yes, he does, he replied. When Peter came into the house, Jesus was the first to speak. What do you think, Simon, he asked? From whom do the kings of the earth collect duty and taxes? From their own children or from others? From others, Peter answered. Then the children are exempt, Jesus said to him. But so that we may not cause offense, go to the lake, throw out your line, take the first fish you catch, open its mouth, and you will find a four drachma coin. Take it and give it to them for my tax and yours. At the opening to the story, some people come to Peter and want to know about whether Jesus pays the temple tax. Now for Jews at this time and also in the Old Testament, there were multiple different ways in which they were asked to give money to support God's work. The first and most important was the giving of tithes. And so in the Old Testament, the word tithe just means a tenth. And the idea was is that as God has blessed you with income, we give back a proportion of that to God so that the work of the ministry that he's doing can continue. God does not ask for all of it back. 
He gives us much for our enjoyment, but says, give as you feel led back to the work that I'm doing. We do this today. And so every Sunday you're invited. There are offering boxes in the back. You can give online. This is an opportunity for you to give of your tithes and offerings. And this is an opportunity to say in proportion to the income God has given to you, that you want to see others be blessed through God's blessing of you. So the ancient Jews did that at the time of Jesus and in the Old Testament. In addition to tithes, they also gave what's called free will offerings. Free will offerings had nothing to do with tithes, and so they weren't sort of a calculation on your income. Free will offerings were at any point, if you wanted to say thank you to God for something that he did, Maybe it was a new baby. Maybe it was some amazing thing in the Old Testament. If it was victory in war, for us today, it might be graduating from uh, high school or getting a new job or whatever it may be. If you just want to say thank you, Jesus, for how faithful you've been, there's opportunities to give free will offerings. So we do that at Calvary as well. In addition to the weekly offerings, we say there are four things that if you want to say thank you to God above and beyond what you give weekly, We have a benevolence offering, the Jonathan Fund, Celebrate Missionaries in the Jerusalem Project. Last week, we took a benevolence offering. Next week, you'll see a video about us taking an offering at the end of the year for the Jerusalem Project. This is us doing the exact thing that the Bible is talking about, is that it's good to be able to say thank you to God. Thank you for what you've done in our life. In addition to tithes and free will offerings, at the time of Jesus and some in the Old Testament, Nehemiah and in Exodus, there was a temple tax. This is not a Roman tax, it's a Jewish tax. And it's because, the same is true today, that while people love to give to make sure that the priests and the Levites and that the mission work can happen and that uh, the music can take place and so that there's plenty of stuff for worship, We don't always love giving to keep the lights on and for the carpeting and to repair the holes in the wall in the building. And the same was true back then. And so back then they addressed this by having a temple tax. This is not a progressive tax, it's a flat tax, meaning everybody gave the same amount regardless of income. It was a half shekel or two drachma. The drachma is the Greek money, shekel is the Israeli money, those are equal. A half shekel tax per person. And the idea was is that everybody has an equal share in the temple, in God's house, in the building. Everybody's blessed by it. Everybody ought to support it. Now, the reason why Peter's being asked what Jesus thinks about this is that this temple tax, the tithes and the free will offerings are not controversial because they're, said, they're talked about in the Old Testament. The temple tax was debated. The Sadducees were not huge fans of it. The Pharisees liked it. The people at Qumran didn't like it. And so some people are asking Jesus, through Peter, what do you think of this temple tax? What do you think? Do you think people ought to be paying this? And Peter replies, yeah, Jesus pays the temple tax. Peter then walks into the house, and Jesus, knowing the conversation, thinks this is a great opportunity to have a discussion. And so he says to Peter, hey, Peter, i got a question for you. The kings of the earth, who do they collect taxes from? Their own kids or from their subjects? And Peter says, no, they collect them from the subjects. And the idea is, is in the ancient world, kings and emperors didn't pay taxes. 
and their kids didn't pay taxes. You charged taxes to the subjects of the empire, either those who were conquered and who were enslaved or those who were being governed, but the kings and the emperors, they collected the taxes, they didn't pay the taxes. And so he asked Peter, what about kings and emperors? Should they be, or their kids be paying taxes? Another way to say it today is, if you're renting out a room in your house and you have a lodger that's staying there, when the first of the month comes and it's time to collect rent, you probably don't stop by your 10-year-old's room and say, hey, you got your rent payment ready? <laughs> Peter says, no, 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 the kids don't pay the taxes. And Jesus says, that's right, the kids are exempt. Now, why is he asking this question? Well, that might not be immediately clear because there's something in our translation which is masked a little bit. Do you see this word children that Jesus is talking about? This is the Greek word huias, and it can very well be translated to children, but the same exact word also can just be translated as sons. So it can either be sons or children. Here in this passage, it's probably translated correctly as children, because Jesus' point is that neither the sons nor the daughters of kings and emperors pay taxes. But the problem is, is by us translating it in English as children, it may cause us to miss that this Greek word huios has been used multiple times in the last two chapters. And if we pay attention to a couple of other places where it shows up, it may be obvious or more obvious why Jesus is having this conversation with Peter. One of the most significant places, this Greek word huios, which we translate son or child shows up, is in Matthew 16. Verse 16, Jesus asks Peter, who do you say that I am? And Peter's response is, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. You are the son of God. That's our word, son of God. Just a few verses later at the beginning of Matthew 17, while they're on the Mount of Transfiguration, Peter, James, and John are there and they hear God the Father's voice, and this is what he says. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. So we're talking about God the Father and Jesus as God the Son. He is the Son of God. We actually also had in Matthew 17 another story about fathers and sons. The one we looked at last week where a father brings his son to the disciples. The son is struggling with a demon. The disciples are not able to cast out the demon. But Jesus, the son of God, comes and casts out the demon. So when we get to our story, and the question is, do sons, we ask, do they pay taxes? The answer is... No, well, a king's son would not pay tax. An emperor's son would not pay tax. And the question is, what about the son of God? Would the son of God pay a tax for God's house? And the answer is, no. We're not going to charge our children rent. And so when Jesus shows up, the Bible says he is greater than the temple. He's not going to be paying the temple tax. It would be like Jesus showing up to church today and we're like, hey, before you go, we need some money. 
No, no, we're here for him. And so he says, no, 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 the son of God, of course, would be exempt from having to pay taxes on God's house. But then watch what Jesus does, because that makes good sense to us. But watch what he does in verse 27. But so that, and then what's the pronoun? We may not cause offense. We meaning Peter and Jesus. It makes great sense to us that Jesus is exempt from paying a temple tax on his father's house. But notice he also is implying that Peter is exempt from paying a temple tax on God's house. And that's because when you and I choose to believe that Jesus is the Son of God, we become one with Jesus, and in a very real way, we become sons and daughters of God. This is why today we still have tithes and we still have free will offerings, but we do not have building taxes here because we do not mandate this because we are children of God. And so we can give and should give freely, but we are not under obligation to give. And so Jesus is saying to Peter, oh, no, no, you're, you're a child too. <laughs> but because the people who are collecting the temple tax, they can't understand that Jesus is the Son of God and therefore exempt. They're definitely not going to understand that Peter, through his connection to Jesus, is also a Son of God. And so Jesus says, in order to not offend anybody, let's do this. Now you may say, well, Jesus likes to offend people, doesn't he? He likes to offend people who are sinning. It's not a sin to give something to help God's house. And so Jesus says, no, this is a good thing. This is a good cause, and we can give money to this. It's a little bit like the story about baptism from early in Matthew's gospel. About a year ago, I stood up here, and we were in Matthew 3, and I talked about the fact, if there's one person who doesn't need to be baptized... It's Jesus. Yet what did Jesus do? He got baptized. If there's one person who doesn't need to pay a tax on God's house, it's Jesus. Why is he doing this? The same reason he got baptized, he's showing solidarity with us. He says, look, because you have to do this, I'm going to do it with you. Because you, Peter, need to pay this tax even though you're not under obligation to. They think you are. Therefore, let's do it together. You see, Jesus didn't become human to try to avoid doing things. He became human to do stuff with us. This is the beautiful thing is, is that in just a minute we're going to talk about this miracle that happens, but the miracle that happens is so that Jesus and Peter can pay their taxes together. And the point is Jesus did not become human to try to avoid all the stuff humans do. Jesus became human so that he could do stuff with us, including paying his taxes. And so just like we say about baptism, 
Look, if the one person who didn't need to get baptized got baptized, what are you going to say? And I going to say we stand before him and haven't gotten baptized? The same thing is true. If the one person who doesn't need to give money to the church chooses to give money to the church out of solidarity, what are we going to say if we've not chosen to do something similar? Now you might say, but I don't have any money to give to the church. I'm glad you brought that up because Peter didn't have any money either. Let's watch what happens. Verse 27, but so that we may not cause offense, go to the lake and throw out your line. Take the first fish you catch, open its mouth, and you will find a four drachma coin. So we got two half shekel taxes. So we've got Jesus owes two drachma, Peter owes two drachma. Take it and give it to them for my tax and yours. Now, if we're honest, this is one of the weirder miracles in the Bible. It feels most like hocus-pocus magic, as if Jesus was like, and we need some money, and oh, look, you've got a coin right behind your ear. Here it is. Go pay our taxes. Of course, Jesus can do that, but that feels weird to us. But I think there's something really powerful going on here. How do you and I normally get money to pay our taxes? We work, right? What was Peter's occupation before he became a full-time disciple? He's a fisherman. What is Jesus sending him out to do? Work. He's sending him to do something in his profession. This is powerful to me as the idea is we're talking about Jesus being present in the mundane. He sends Peter to go do a seemingly very mundane activity. Go do your job. This is what you used to do. If he had been a farmer, he probably would have sent him out to grow some crops. That would have taken a while. It probably would have taken a while, a, a, a two drachma, that's at least two days wage. The point is not, Jesus is not trying to send him back to work, but what he is trying to do is send him into a situation to say, people normally work to earn money for taxes, go work. But what's different this time about his working? Jesus is present. And so something really powerful happens. Now, the amazing thing is I don't think anybody else knows a miracle's taking place. When they see Peter, he's just fishing. They're like, oh, yeah, Peter, he's a fisherman. That's what he does. And when he casts out and he catches a fish, people are like, well, that's what fishermen do. He opens the fish's mouth, and there's the coin. And the reminder to Peter and to us today is Jesus is present in the mundane things of life. We think miracles only happen on the mountaintop or miracles only happen on the valley. The encouragement is, is no, when you and I go to work, Jesus is present and he's doing stuff and we can look around and notice, wait a second, nobody else might know this, but this job is going better than it ought to go. I don't deserve to have it go this well. Why? Well, because Jesus is present. This applies to more than just taxes. If you're a student, It applies to an exam you might have coming up this week. Jesus is present with you in the exam. If you got a date coming up on Friday night, Jesus is interested in what's going to happen on that date Friday night. Not just to make sure you obey, but that you enjoy it, that you have a blessing. This applies if you've got to write a check every month. Maybe you're doing it this week to pay something down on some college debt. We're talking about here if you're going grocery shopping today and you're going to prepare a meal for the family. 
The reason why Jesus sends Peter out to fish is because he is endorsing the mundane, everyday activities of life and trying to say, I will be with you in these things. Jesus didn't just come to pay taxes. He came to help us pay our taxes. Remember the story started with people asking Peter about Jesus. That's who they're interested in. Who's Jesus interested in? Peter. And what I love about this is Jesus basically says to Peter, hey, we got to pay our taxes. I love that. I can testify that when I sit down every spring and try to get out the software, have some help here, I want to hear Jesus saying, hey, Jim, it's time for us to pay our taxes. That's beautiful. God with us. That's why he became human. So when we sit down to pay our taxes, it's our taxes. He's there. And he might provide comfort in the midst of stress. And he might provide advice when you got questions. And he might have somebody help you out when you have no idea what you're doing. And he might, when you look at the numbers, you're like, well, Jesus, where is that going to come from? He may say, well, I got something. Maybe it's going to be a bonus at work. Maybe there's something to come. Or he may say, when you're looking at a bill, I've got something coming back from the government to bless you. But the big picture idea is, is that when you sit down to do your taxes, you're doing them with Jesus. That's why my prayer for you this week is you get ready to go back to school. And you got that exam this week. I want you through this story to hear Jesus saying to you, hey, let's study for our exam this week. It's not your exam. It's your plural exam, yours and his. I want you to hear Jesus saying to you, let's get ready for our date this Friday night. I want you to hear Jesus saying to you, let's write a check for our college debt. Not your college debt, yours and his. I want you to hear Jesus saying to you when you're in the grocery store, let's get the food we need to make a meal for our family this week. You see, how do you take exams? You listen to the teacher and you study. How do you have successful dates? You plan and you serve and you communicate. How do you pay down college debt? You budget and you save. How do you prepare food? You shop and you cook. Jesus sent Peter to go fishing because in the listening and in the studying, in the communicating and the serving and in the planning, in the budgeting and in the saving, in the shopping and the cooking, he wants to be present. And the good news is, Jesus is not just present on the mountain. He is, definitely. And he's not just present in the valley. He most certainly is, and thank the Lord he is. He's present each and every day. And all we're doing as we get more mature is learning to see him in the hallways at school, in the aisles of the grocery store, while we're doing our taxes. Now I have to think 
that Matthew, the tax collector, loved this story. (laughs) Do you know he's the only gospel writer to include it? I think he was probably like, finally, a tax story. Like, I've been telling these people taxes are important. I got to shoehorn this in somewhere. But I wonder if Matthew loved this story not just because it's about taxes, but maybe it's because as opposed to Andrew, Peter, James, and John who were called to be disciples of Jesus with some great miracle, or Nathaniel who was called to be a follower of Jesus when Jesus prophesied something that he couldn't have known otherwise, and so he's like, all right, I'm all in. I wonder if Matthew loved this story because when he was called to be a disciple, there was no miracle. He was just at work. He was just at his tax collector's booth doing his job. And Jesus came along to him and said, Matthew, come follow me. And in the midst of ordinary everyday life, I mean, think about it. He's just going to work. He'd been going to work every day at the same job for how many years? And one day, Jesus shows up at that job and says, Matthew, come follow me. And that changed his life forever. That's the miracle. There wasn't many external miracles. The miracle was is that Jesus came to work with Matthew. And Matthew finally saw him at the workplace. And he's like, all right, I'm in. And so I think Matthew, more than anybody else, was like, we got to put this story in. Because through the Holy Spirit, I think Matthew understands that you and I, we don't just live on the mountaintop or in the valley. We live day to day in the plains. And we go to work, we go to school, we change diapers, we make meals, we pay bills. We think, is it just going to keep going on like this forever and ever? And Jesus just wants you to hear this morning. Don't be afraid. Because of my death and resurrection, I'm with you in all of those things. Those are our diapers to change. Those are our bills to pay. Those are our kids to raise. This is our job we got to go to. That's our pain in the butt boss that we got to put up with. (laughs) He's in it with us. See, the difference between Jesus and us is is we try to get out of as much stuff as possible. He became human to go through as much stuff as possible so that you and I wouldn't have to be alone. So my prayer for you this week is that in the hallways of the school you go to, at your desk, whether at home or in the workplace, when you're paying your bills, when you're grocery shopping, when you're doing the laundry, when you're just dealing with the mundane of life, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will bring this passage to mind and that you'll stop for a minute and look around and realize that Jesus is right there with you. He's going through all of that with you because he loves you. And the great promise of Jesus is you will never be alone, whether on the mountaintops or in the valleys, or simply in day-to-day life. Amen? Let's pray together. Jesus, we are grateful 
that you are with us. Open our eyes and help us to see. Let us see you in the mundane, in the daily, in the routine. Thanks for showing up to Matthew's job and calling him and changing his life forever. I pray that tomorrow, in our jobs, in our classrooms, in our neighborhoods, in our families, you would show up and do something that showed that you are there. And so, Jesus, we just want to stop and say thank you. Thank you for not abandoning us to the mundane drudgery of human life, but instead choosing to make each and every moment a worship opportunity. Show yourself to us, Lord. We pray this in your name. Amen.